Hello and welcome to another edition of The Rock Show and today it's episode 39. Next one is 40. What are we doing for the 40th episode? Uh, GBH. GBH. Oh, yeah, the hardcore band. Yeah, that's wow, going to be good. that's going to be hard. Really going to be good. Be hard. Really good. So right now, um, today we got a special show. We're talking about the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a little different. Uh, we haven't really gotten into the rap thing too much. Uh, probably won't get deep into it, but... As far as the Beastie Boys go, uh, we got uh, Darren Bennett right here. Good, uh, a big fan of ours since the beginning. You've been very supportive. I appreciate that. And um, you know, he had asked me if we could do a show on the Beastie Boys because it's one of his favorite bands. And uh, you know, I thought about it and I said. Yeah, you know, we could do that. They're New York guys, and they started in the punk hardcore scene, and they were snotty and obnoxious and yeah. all that shit. So, yeah, definitely, why not? Um, I was always kind of like back and forth with this band, but it's not about what I like. We're going to talk about this band because they're very important. Um, like I said, they started off in the hardcore scene, uh, basically in the early... Late 70s, actually. Yeah. You had, uh, they started in 78, 78, actually. right, right. You had a band called the uh, Aborigine, the, uh, the Young Aborigines. The Young Aborigines. Okay. And they were, you know, a punk band influenced by all the 70s punk bands that were out there. Uh, you had Mike D on vocals. You had MCA on bass. A guy named John Berry John on guitar. Berry, yeah. And a girl named Kate Schillenbach on drums. Now... They were practicing, learning everything, and there was another band at the same time called um, The Young and the Useless. Yeah. <laughs> Great name. Okay. And uh, Horowitz was in that band, Adam Horowitz. Yeah. He was the uh, lead singer. Now, at one point in uh, the early 80s, this would all kind of, these two bands would kind of come together and yeah. become the Beastie Boys. But you know what, like, uh, uh, Mike Diamond, yeah. he was in a lot of other bands before. He was like in a band called Bang. He was in yeah. another, like, yeah. jazz. Like, he was in a he, bunch of bands. Right. He was a musician. Right, well, he played drunks. Yeah. So he was he, actually he, in a lot of other bands, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, yeah, and he was, you know, he could play jazz, fusion jazz, all kinds of shit. Um, they would all come together by 1982. They were going to release an EP, and that was called Polywad Stoop. Yeah, as the Beastie Boys. Now, do you know what the Beastie Beastie stands for? It stands for something. It's an antonym for something else. What is it? Now, before I say what it is. Is there any controversy with that, or is it really just one thing? Nothing I know of. Okay. All right. So, it stands for Boys Entering Anarchistic States Towards Inner Excellence. Yeah. Inner Excellence. Yeah. That's what it stands for. I wasn't sure if it was like three or four different stories. (laughs) But that's cool. You know what's the crazy thing? They sold, in the United States, they sold 26 million albums. Yeah. Worldwide, they sold 50, 50. 50 million albums worldwide. Can you think about three guys from, three Jewish guys from Brooklyn that can rap? (laughs) Yeah, from Stuyvesant High School. You can't make this shit up. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Only in New York could that happen. Only in New York. You know, um, there was a, a record store 
back in the day on 9th Street near 2nd Avenue called Rat Cage. Yeah, okay, and I remember this place. And the Beastie Boys hung out there. That was a couple years before I was hanging out, but but they were hanging out there, and it was kind of like a refuge, you know. And and the owner to the place made a label called Rat Cage Records. That was one of the that was and one that, of the that first was a, right. That was one of the first labels they were involved with. Um, the 80, 1982 EP called Polywog Stew was recorded at the uh, 171 Avenue A, which is where the Bad Brains recorded. Uh, guys from the Chrome Mags used to hang out there. It was, you know, it was. I a mean, spot. it was the who's who's of it was like a, everybody of, was. of hardcore. You know, that was a spot that you know punk kids could hang out, get something to eat, chill out, you know, and, and listen to some music. Um, it was recorded there. Now, uh, at that point, they had uh, Ad Rock, Adam Horowitz, in the band. Okay, from Young and the Restless. So that was the lineup. But uh, this was when they they started doing some different shit. They started an experimental yeah. hip hop album. Well, it was it was really one song, and it was called Cookie Puss. Okay, <laughs> That's a great now, That's for a great anybody deal. for anybody that doesn't live in New York and doesn't know what Cookie Puss is. There's a, a chain of ice cream stores called Carvel, you've probably heard of, and there's a cake you can buy called the Cookie Puss. It's been around forever. And what they did was they actually prank called. Yeah, it was uh, they pr- the, 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 the song itself, you can YouTube it, listen to it if you don't know it. It's a prank call. It's a joke call. Yeah. Okay. And there's like a beat over it and everything, and they're just like fucking with this person in the club. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, and and people, you know, love this for some reason. And you know what you gotta understand too is in, in the early eighties. I think they got like a little shit for it. They got like a little oh, no, lawsuit. No, 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 there was no lawsuit for but that. Were, but 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 they they, they got just some shit. They caught shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carvel gave. Well, you know, Tom Carvel was still alive then. <laughs> Tom Carvel, <laughs> hi, I'm Tom Carvel. You can't call my story. Yeah, yeah, Craig Carvel. I'm in the mafia. Shut up. Fucking cooking punch, motherfucker! Don't make me sick, fudgy the whale. Fudgy the whale. You know that cooking punch is just fudgy the whale backwards. Yeah, flip flip over. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cookie puss has what? The the cone for a nose? Yeah. Yeah. I used to eat cookie pusses every week when I was a kid, man. It was like fucking great. Yeah. But. You know, people liked this record. It was, it was, uh, it was something different. And it was, in, 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 in the punk hardcore days, there was a connection between the early hip hop bands like Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash, the Beastie Boys, and the hardcore punks. That a lot of a lot of people crossed over and liked both. I knew people that hated rap, but I also knew people that totally embraced it. You know, I thought, yeah, and I, I kind of liked it. It was, it was, it was street. It was they were talking about a, a good message, but the way okay. they did it was very different. They it was different more, than they it is were, now. They were more like a party thing, you know. They they actually. Oh, you mean were, the Beastie Boys? The Beastie yeah. Boys were very yeah. different. Everybody else, uh, you know, because they like they, 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 like they, like uh, no sleep to Brooklyn, you know. Like that's pretty much just about you staying, not sleeping in Brooklyn, staying up all night. Well, li- License to Ill, we'll get into it in a minute. And, but li- I mean, li- License to Ill was a party record. Oh, that was a yeah, different party. That was, I mean, absolutely. No, that was a party anthem. Well, anthem, and every song on there was an anthem, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, what they did was right after Cookie Puss came out, um, they ended up connecting with Rick Rubin, who was going to be their DJ. Yeah. They needed the DJ. 
And he was at a student at NYU at the time. Uh, Russell Simmons, who was actually his buddy. Yeah. That two of them started the Death Jam Records. Yeah. Okay, label. And uh, they would sign the Beastie Boys. Rick was the DJ for a while and produced stuff by them. Um, but there was a record called uh, Beastie Groove. You know this one? And Rock Hard. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Now, this was like a 12 inch that they put out. Yeah. Rock Hard sampled Back in Black by ACDC. Okay? And in the, you know, the mid 80s, this was a time when rap was really kind of coming together, and there was a lot of bands that would sample music. You still hear it today, it's a little bit different now. You know who got in trouble for doing that shit? Fucking well, uh, Vanilla Ice, too. Oh, Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice was, Vanilla Ice was a thief. <laughs> <laughs> he was a straight-up thief, okay? I remember when he tried to explain the Queen song. Yeah. It's like, yeah, are you kidding me? Okay, yeah, right. Like, you didn't rip that off. Um... um so, Mike, yeah. you're talking about. So these guys are starting to now. They went from a punk group to now a rap. How yeah. many times has that happened? With that's like a Never. huge. That's a huge Never. different gender. Uh, that, it, I don't. I don't think it, anybody it, I know has. Done. I see people go you know, and start punk and then maybe start doing rock and I roll. Think, I think these guys were looking to make it any way they could. And when the Cookie Puss thing, that was which great. was kind of like a. Spoof, really. It was a prank call, but it was also like, are they really like? Because the rest of the stuff wasn't hip hop. Okay, they they did this, and it's like, okay, well this works. Let's let's keep going with this. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and one other song that was on that EP, the uh, the Walks Two, yeah, was actually a song called Beastie Revolution. Oh right, oh, yeah, Beastie right, Revolution. Right, right. That was a hip hop, yeah. like sample. Yeah. or whatever. They actually ended up getting a snippet from uh, Beastie Revolution sampled without their permission by British Airways. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, and they sued them. They sued them. They got $40,000 right. in the settlement. That was in the 80s. That, that, that was around that time. And right? they gave them the seed money to be like, okay, so Probably, we got... That we was got, studio money. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably nobody thought they would even know. Yeah. And so, then, and they actually so the know. money that they were able to get, they were able to find like a, a place in Chinatown that became like their new like recording studio they were able to rehearse yeah. so they kind of like got that influx of like seed money when they were kind of picking the more hip hop vibe at the same time so you know it's kind of like that's, a, pan that's amazing that British yeah. Airway took that little snip off a nobody band you know what, these motherfuckers did it too and they actually got away with it they yeah. did it to a guy Newton James Newton yeah. they did it to yes. Yep. yes yes and it's almost the same fucking thing right. that was like a funk beat right? yeah but it was like a, it was also like a, something like a six bit six second yeah. fruit or whatever it was I think a lot of it speaks too about like the nature of sampling of what it was back then versus it was now like we were talking a little bit before how you couldn't make a lot of the records that the Beastie Boys made no you could do it now you just way too much money oh no you well, have the, to, the, there was lawsuits through it. the 90s that set precedent as to how you handle yeah. sampling so and it's like yeah you can never do it them getting for, only $40,000 would be like getting $40 million now yeah, yeah. now yeah and uh, to this day it's like even in MCA's will Cannot use the Beastie Boys for any advertising. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, but they use them in movies all the time. Like yeah, it's they, a, that's right. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't want them in commercial. They're not, they're not, as long as they're not being used to like promote a product. Yeah, yeah. So yeah that, that was in his will. Yeah. Um, 
1985, they would open for Public Image Limited. Yeah, okay. that's another weird right? band. John, yeah. Johnny Live's yeah. band. And they opened for Madonna on a North American Virgin Tour. Now, one thing i got to mention with this is um, they, they would also get involved with Run DMC, who was on, yep. I think, the same label. Yeah. And you'd have the Raisin Hell tour as well yeah. after the Madonna tour. But they tour. also did a tour like with Fishbourne and yep. a whole bunch yep. of other yep. people. And Murphy's Law. Murphy Murphy's Law. So these yep. guys, you know what? It's, it's, a punk, it's a rap group, but these Murphy Law, those things, they're not rap. Murphy Law is a punk band. Which yeah. is amazing that yeah. they still hang out. Like, they got a, lot a few, of, years, few months ago. I think they yeah. got a lot of support from the punk community. Or just yeah. people in they, rock in they general. Did. They kind of dragged that ethos into hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, that that DIY right. kind of like mentality, uh, a little bit of noxiousness, which, which is like, it, yeah. which is like still what hip hop began as, but it like, you know, they were a little, they weren't like necessarily part of like the golden generation of the grandfathers of the hip hop genre, right. right? But they were kind of like a little bit of a reset as like rap became more like R and B, you know, yeah. towards the late eighties, like these cats like brought it more back to that, back the, to the uh, roots kind of thing, back right? to the roots, yeah. 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 Um, the Raisin Hell tour would be with Run DMC and uh, Houdini and LL Cool J. Yeah, okay, that's this a, is a very early hip hop tour. But that's a hip hop. That's, 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 that's I would love to see that. I would love to see that. They had gotten DJ Hurricane at that point, okay, as their DJ. Hell of a DJ. And they were, at the same time, they were starting to get recognized. Remember the Crush Groove movie? Yeah. Okay, they had a song called She's On It. Yeah, yeah she's on, on it. That's right. right. That was like their okay. first video. That was their first video. Right, I think it was their first video. She He's on it! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you also had the Paul, the Paul Revere 12 inch. Paul Revere came was out, great. And that was before License to Hill. Yeah, that was, was on great. that album. But in, uh, where am I here? Okay. 1986, November 15th, they released License to Hill. Okay, now I was in my senior year in high school. Was there a single album? There was actually four singles, I think, or three singles, even before Fight for the Right to Party. Yeah. Which I didn't realize, I didn't remember that. I always thought Fight for the Right to Party was the first single off the album. It wasn't. So I don't know if there was a build up. Maybe. There's no sleep to Brooklyn. I think, right? Was No Sleep to Brooklyn before Fight for Your Right? I think No Sleep to Brooklyn. It could be. And then I think Fight for Your Right came later on. But that that kicked, when that came out, that kicked the door open. I mean, everybody loved that. But but they, you know, I knew of them before that, but I don't know if it was stuff off that album. I can't remember. But. What they did was that in November they released that that album. Now Rolling Rolling Stone magazine to me has one of the best like labels ever of that album. Yeah. They just said three idiots create a masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. You know what's funny? I remember so when I'm reading, I remember reading remember that, that right? in Rolling yeah. Stone magazine. You know what's funny? These guys are also in the hall in the rock and roll hall of fame. Right. It yep. was right after MCA MC uh, MCA died. No, it was right before. I mean, yeah, right exactly. before. It was right before. It was literally like a, a year before. And then before. he died. I yeah, he died not that long after. And it was like, holy shit, but he got he got into that before. But why did they pick them? But then when you look at the, like, they had like seven platinum records. These guys had some fucking well, big hits. Yeah, yeah I, think I mean. They were kind of averse to, there was still like a pure rock and roll bias with the band. With yeah. Because you know? like now, now yeah. like, you know. I don't, I don't really give a fuck about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've said that a million times. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the fact, that, the fact that they're in there, I don't really have a problem with, I guess. But um, this was the first rap record 
to go to number one yep. in the genre at all by anybody. Yeah. Okay, spent five weeks there. And it sold 9 million copies for a brand new label called Def Jam. Def Jam, yeah. Yes. Diamond Record, right? Was that? What, was it Diamond Record? Yeah. Like, yeah. Multiply. Multiply, yep. Now, Fight for Your Right to Party went to number seven in the Billboard charts. And the video was a huge hit. That video was great. I think, I think that was a time when, you know, MTV was at its peak. And, you know, if you had a, a, a video that was so hot, it would sell the song. That video was hot. And wasn't the, uh, I forget his name, but the guitarist the Slayer actually yeah. played yeah, yeah, the riff. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so look at these guys. Just before even the first album, they were already touring with Madonna. Yeah, I mean, they really... <laughs> Think about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, they really... They really That's out huge. Of the gate, out of the gate, they were huge. Yeah. Out of the gate. And they, on, they were doing something that nobody was doing. Um, but one thing too is you got to mention with that fucking tour, okay? Um, well, the tour that's coming up with the license to ill, yeah. Okay, it was off the hook. Yeah. Right? When they started touring that album, they the the, the set considered c- consisted of women in cages, okay, a twenty foot inflatable penis. <laughs> Okay, on stage. okay, and you know they weren't watching their language and stuff. They were oh, cursed no, during the show. Okay, I think they're like responsible. But the, but the problem, the problem with all of that is that their fan base was eleven-year-old girls. <laughs> so, you know, with their parents taking them to the show. Okay. And so, you know, here you are with your daughter and there's a giant 20-foot penis on stage. Mommy, know? what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where you're going to get later on in life. <laughs> I'll tell you about this in a couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah, yeah. but um, the band got into all kinds of trouble on that tour. There was a lot of rowdiness, a lot of riots. Uh, they actually were accused of uh, provoking the crowd and causing riots on stage. Adam Horowitz got arrested in Liverpool, England, uh, because a riot had broken out, and he ended up getting arrested for assault or something like that. Um, it, it just, you know, was was fucking insane. You know, what was another group that had that kind of problem? NWA had a problem that they would yeah. tell them that they would start rioting, and they were like, "Fuck them!" It was like, "Oh my god, that was crazy." You know, that was, they a, even, that was a few years later. They even yeah. told them not to play that song "Fuck the Police" in a few other shows, and they did it anyway. And they did it anyway. <laughs> when, when, public when enemy, they... public enemy had problems. Too. Oh yeah, public yeah. enemy too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would happen is uh, that the insanity of that tour, the whole whirlwind of it, basically, they decided to part ways with Rick Rubin. Yeah. Also, Rick Rubin, my opinion had like a little bit of a god complex because he was saying to them you're speaking the past tense uh, well yeah (laughs) I guess he still does Uh, but he went on record saying like you know I made them and you know I'm the reason they're huge which they didn't take too highly no they made themselves they made made themselves Rick Rick Rubin I appreciate he's caught he's caught lightning in the bottle a couple of times okay but you know to say that he made the Beastie Boys I think is a stretch you know um, they were involved with the soundtrack to the movie Tougher Than Leather in 1988 okay and that was a movie that featured Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and it was all about the Razor Hill tour and all that uh, at that point, though, when they left Def Jam, they would sign with Capitol Records. Yeah. Now, they re-entered the studio in 1988, and they were ready to do something a little more mature. They were, I think they were getting a little sick of the fight for your right to party, 
you know, mentality, party, uh, album. party album type thing. And they would do something now. Now it's their second album. Bands, no matter who you are, whatever genre, there's that sophomore jinx, right? Sophomore slump, and you always got to be concerned about that. But it happens. But you know what? I love, I love Paul Boutique. I think that's one of the best but, albums. But it, everybody says that. I think okay? that's but, one of the best. That night, album is in the jukebox here. No, I mean, if, if people point to an album that's like their masterpiece, yeah. it's that. Okay. But in 1989, when it came out, no one thought that. No one was thinking. I only saw two million albums I think. Right, right. The, the song Hey Ladies was a top Hey Lady! Yeah, well, yeah, that was funny. That was a top 40 hit. Okay. Uh, they brought in a, uh, uh, guys called the Dust Boys to produce it, which were kind of like up and coming hip hop producers. Dude, the Dust Boys are fucking good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you ever look at the Dust Boys, but you know what's funny is like the album still got to number 14. Number 14. Yeah. Records, not bad for a second. Not bad for a that's second. That's fucking good. Yeah, I mean, it's considered, it, it, you know, they, they're saying the Beastie Boys expected it to go to number one. So that, you know, in, 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 the, in the mythology of them, it's a failure, but it's not really. You know what probably happened was, probably what happened was, the kids that heard the first album wanted the same variety yes, album. exactly. They heard this, I thought, oh, this is a bad no, story, but this totally is a bad, doesn't mature, talking, it's more about beats, it's more about lifestyles, it's about yeah. the hanging out getting fucked up yeah. you know and all this stuff but it was, I, I thought Paul Boutique was to me that's, that's a master that's a fucking fucking masterpiece not only that they, re, they actually remastered re, they brought yes. that album in 2009 right about 10 years ago yeah, yeah. a lot of the catalog got yes yes now that album they were kind of you know number 14 I'd say is still pretty commercial yeah okay right. but maybe not in their world you know they wanted it a little bit better but they started Said okay, we got to come out with another. They were tour behind that album, yeah. but they, they would say okay, we got to come out with something else. Now, 1992 would be the album. Check your head. Check your head. Okay. Was another good yeah. album. Now, this was one where they said, all right, we're going to go back to our roots a little bit, and we're actually going to play some instruments, right? Because people, I think probably people didn't even realize they could play instruments. Yeah. Okay. But you know, guitar, bass, and drums. You know, they went back to that. And that album will go to number ten on the Billboard charts. It had that single, so what you want, so what, so what you want, what you what you want. want. No, that's that, a great song. Okay, great song, song called "Pass the Mic." All Pass of them, the all of them would be like a great video too. Yes, yes. Pass the Mic was the one. making like really good music videos on this album. Is yes, Pass yes. the Mic the one that got them into a little bit of trouble. Is that the one that they, they James the Newton? No, right? Am I thinking of wrong album? Sabotage got censored. Sabotage. Yeah, but that was just for content. To me, Sabotage was one. I love, I love that song. Now, what they did on this album was interesting too, because they actually went even further back and acknowledged their punk roots with a song called "Time for Living." There was a hardcore band back in the early '80s called Frontline. Yep. Okay, and they actually covered one of their songs, oh, which yeah. was, I mean, fantastic. I mean, it was probably yeah. The, so it was for, 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 for Frontline members. It must have been huge. Pastor Mike got sued for that little six-second fruit sampling that they put in there from James Newton. Really? And then the judge was like, well, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> Pretty much threw the case out. <laughs> but, they also, but they say they also told him they can never do that again. Like they can't, you know. They, they won them. Yeah, they won them. So they, got, they, 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 they won. And they were always, they you know, these little things was always pissing off Capitol Records. Right, yeah. okay, little things they did over the years. Now, this album is considered a precursor to bands like Limp Bizkit and stuff that would come at the end of the decade 
Oh, they all, that, they that, all that copy that, that style. Metal shit, yeah, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, but they would, you know, the Beastie Boys. A lot of their career, they were five years ahead of the curve. Oh yeah, you know. You just look at the history. You're like, yeah, they would. They were doing stuff that. Five years later, got huge. Yep. You know, so you got to hand it to him. So, guys, I got to tell you, I went to um, that um, the family family uh, reunion tour, the family tour that they did with Run DMC in Madison Square Garden. What, year, was, what year was that, Rob? That was like 87, August. I remember because my dad wanted me to get the fuck out of the house. He gave me like <laughs> something like 25 bucks. I think I got a ticket for 12 bucks for somebody. Wow. And I went in. And I think I was sitting. I, 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 it's amazing. I yeah. went and I'm like, I have no idea. And I see these fucking white guys. Cause who the fuck are these assholes? Because I had no concert. And yeah. these guys... Madison Square Garden lost their shit. Lost their shit everybody knew. Everybody knew the song. And when Run DMC came out, holy motherfucker. It was like, wow. holy. And, and all these white kids, and I was shocked. Then you all the words. Then you all the words. Then you all the words for the Beastie Boy. And then you all the words for Run DMC. Just like, what the fuck is yep. this shit? Yep. Was, it was a magical that was, time with that. That was like an eye opening shit to me. Yeah. I was like, dude, when they fucking say tricky, yeah. I thought the fucking garden was going to fucking collapse. I thought <laughs> that shit was rocking. It was rocking, wow. man. Even with fucking Beast, don't yeah. sleep till Brooklyn. It was, it's, dude, that was one of the most electrifying show. Other than watching The Rock go to Madison Square Garden. I am back home. <laughs> That's it. But that shit was holy shit. That was incredible. And 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 I and I and I got I got a teacher for the concert, and I got a book with uh, with, with twenty eight and whatever. It was great. Yeah. I gotta see if I still have it. it gotta be worth something. Nobody nobody does tour books anymore at these big shows. It's too bad. Um, one thing they did at this time when this album came out is they started their own label called uh, Grand Royale. Grand Royale. Okay, and they would sign all different kinds of acts. So Luscious Jackson was on that label. Uh, Sean Lennon, John John Lennon's son was on that label. I remember Luscious Jackson. What did Luscious Jackson do? So for me, they had, they had a couple of hit wonders. They had a couple of songs. Yeah, it wasn't huge. But they had like one song that had a radio play. They had a chick as the lead singer. Remember, was a, uh, the girl was a lead singer? Luscious well, Jackson? Luscious Jackson. Well, girl's... I think, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate Sellenbach, that was in the Beastie Boys, was in Luscious Jackson. Yes. Oh, yes. That's, that's the connection. That's right. the connection. Right. 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 Kate Sellenbach, who played drums when they were a hardcore band. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, they, also, they also had... Um, at the Drive-In was one of their big signs. Uh, at the Drive-In? At the Drive-In, yeah. right, right, right. They also had a magazine called Grand Royal Magazine in 1993. They would have all kinds of shit in there, everything from Bruce Lee information, okay, to you know, I uh, never realized that until I was reading that. I was work shocked of by that. George Clinton and all kinds of people. Yeah, I mean, it, that was a mag- It didn't last that long. It was a few years, I think. Three years. Actually. Yeah. Now in 1994, they would release Ill Communication. And this is when I kind of tuned back in a little bit with them, because when I saw the video for Sabotage, okay, which was a single off that, I went, holy shit. Not only was it a good song, okay, the video was fucking hilarious because it spoofed like 70s cop shows and stuff, which I love. Okay, and the, the whole thing. I mean, then it, it was the. I don't know if you remember the Beavis and Butthead bit with, yeah. when they when they playing sabotage. Yeah. Right? And there's the one guy that's named Cochese, yeah. and, and Beavis is like Cochise, Cochise. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
go cheese. Yeah, really fucking funny, man. Uh, I remember that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I forget which one too had uh, the alter ego Nathan- Nathaniel Hornblower. Oh, it was like that rock had like because he played himself with also Nathaniel Hornblower and like yes. he ended up like being a character like in like press releases. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. Yeah, like a number one fan or something. Yeah, again, again, these guys were ahead of the curve because that was '94, and if you remember. By like 96, 97, there was like this resurgence of like 70s. Yeah. Okay. And they were ahead of the game with that, you know? So that was cool. Um, other tracks off that album Get It Together, Get It Together, Short sure Shot, okay? Sure that album will go triple platinum. Yeah, that was a great album. Yep. yep. Same year. They went back to their roots and they released something called The Same Old Bullshit. Oh, excuse me, Some Old Bullshit. Okay, same thing. All right, now. It was all a lot of like early punk stuff that they did, all right, and that album would make it to number forty-six. That would make it to number forty-six on the Billboard chart, which is not bad for old stuff, some old stuff. They played the Lollapalooza tour that year with Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, nineteen ninety-four. That was the first one, right? Yeah, I think it was a second one, maybe. Yeah, right, right. right. what do you think if we did? Show like the concert venue like that, like Lollapalooza, different one, different events yes, over the years. Maybe like some people in it. Like we could start with Woodstock and walk our way from Live Aid to all the other shit. Even they, they got that. I, I, would, I, kid, I would mostly, I would mostly shit on Woodstock. Oh, we can shit on it too. I would shit on it because everybody I am met, old fuckers that I met, that that been to Woodstock they said, it, it. said it was two days of fucking misery <laughs> all right. All right. anybody what? that looks at Woodstock and goes oh yeah it's great imagine being there for all those days in the mud in the and mud the rain bed. waiting for Jimi Hendrix to come on at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> I mean unless you were there and you were tripping for like three days in a row I, I can't see how you could deal with it I would have had some good ass back in those days I would have been tripping balls and having don't a time of my life uh-huh. don't eat the brown acid <laughs> So they were touring like crazy now, yeah. okay? And uh, this was the time when, when Adam Yauch would be starting to become more active politically. He was interested in that Free Tibet movement. Yeah, Free Tibet. Okay. Uh, that was 1996. He had a two-day festival he arranged in Golden Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Yeah. To arrange it was like the, it was like the biggest concert since Live It. Yes. Do they right. still do it to today or did they stop? No, the last one was no. in 2012, 2012. No, after he died, that was the end of it. Yeah. I, I don't that think anybody gives a fuck about Tibet anymore. I they you do. get shot in the street if you do. Oh, in China, yeah. in China, yeah, definitely. I'm surprised they haven't. Nobody has taken that love and do it like a tribute to him. They could have kept it going. Yeah, I mean, Beastie Boys kind of like, you know, since he died, they, they just, kinda, they just yeah. disbanded, and yeah. that's really it. Um, they would be still torn again. They would go to South America. They would play uh, South Asia for the first time in that year. Now, in 1995, they went and they made a punk hardcore record. Yep, they did. Out of the book. It's called Aglio e Olio, and it's 11 songs in 14 minutes. Perfect. Perfect for my attention span. Okay. I actually bought this album, okay, and I listened to it a couple of times, maybe five or six times over the years, and 
It's great. It's good. It's great. I threw it on today. I haven't listened mm-hmm. to it in a while. I think and, it's good. And, and, and I'm like, okay, you know, this is what they were doing. I just always wondered if, like, who was buying that? Like, who bought that besides me? Because I knew what it was. You know who probably bought that? People that like that down there for now. Remember them? Remember them? How did they die? I don't think the record did too much of a splash. No, it didn't. It didn't really. But there, there was a song on there called Deal With It. That I thought was pretty cool. Uh, a song called Brand New. That was pretty cool. I mean, probably the people that like like sabotage and time to live in. And, yeah, some uh, of the stuff with, like guitars and yeah, that, was, that yeah. was in their catalog. To me, I got to, my, my favorite song is Sabotage, and I loved it when they did the yes. new Star Trek, the three Star and, Trek. And they, got Kirk, they put that song yeah. in it, like when, when the opening yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. When Kirk, when Kirk is like racing in that car, yeah. okay, and he's playing it. He, Jumps out and the car goes off the cliff. And and there's another part. Doesn't the Spock say that's like the worst song ever? No, and, 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 <laughs> and the third that? one, they yeah. use it to stop the alien race from invading. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, What do they call this? This is terrible. This is the worst, this is the worst song, ever. song ever. I can't believe humans listen to this thing. <laughs> I think that song was using all three other Star Trek films. Yeah, that's, that's true. Time. That's true. Now, July of 1998, they would come out with another album called uh, Hello Nasty. And on that album, they actually added another member to the band, a guy named Mix Master Mike. All right. It was an experimental record. It actually went to number one. Okay, uh, Different than other shit they ever did. At that point, uh, they had been living in L.A. for a lot of years. I think after the first album, they moved out there. But this was when Adam Young came back. Yeah, because they recorded it. They had like, a, built out a studio on Mott Street. Yes. And they recorded yes. it in the basement. Yes. It's actually in the uh, 3MTs and 1DJ video. Right. Oh, yeah. You see, you see them down there. Yeah. yeah right, right. This album being experimental, whatever it was, got to number one, and they would win a Grammy in 1999 for this album, uh, Best Alternative Music Album, which I got to mention, I think this is fucking great in a way, because they were crossing all kinds of genres. Yeah. When you think of the Beastie Boys, you think of a rap band, really. But they were getting lumped in in the late 90s into this alternative music scene. I'm not sure if it really suited them or not. Do you think? I mean, so... You know what? Talk a little bit about like my experience. Like, Hello yeah. Nasty was probably one of the first albums I bought. Like personally, it was my own money. You know. Okay. I was like 11 or 12 at the time. I had like actual money to spend, and that yeah. was like, you know, Beastie Boys. Obviously, you see them on like te- television here, like the earlier shit. Yes. You know, like you know, had like a hand-me-down copy, whatever. Right. Uh, o communication. Check your head. Obviously, like videos. Check your head. Singles, great. Yeah. But like, yeah. So like, Hello Nasty. Like, as a kid, like listening to that, expecting one thing and getting multiple things at the same time and yeah. being into like that type of sound that kind of it's exploded in my head and, and you know be, be, being a being a, a younger than us okay it, it's yeah. interesting to hear your point of view of all this because I remember a time when there was no rap okay so my perspective is always like okay here's a new genre that I gotta kind of figure out okay as a music fan right you were born into it yeah okay so that's a very interesting perspective um that album what I remember from it the most was the Intergalactic the video, video yeah. which I thought was fucking cool yeah, yeah. I, I, I dug it I, I love I yeah. love that song <laughs> Intergalactic <laughs> Planetary that was yeah. great 
You know what's funny about them? You know what the problem was with the beastie with the beastie boy? They were so ahead of the fucking they were so ahead of the curve that people have problem putting certain genres. Oh are they rap? Oh are they alternative? Are they this? Are they that? They did because they, they, every single album every single album which are not different than the other album. They will add some element that you'll yeah. be like, but you always oh, knew it was them. But you always knew it was you them. You always knew it was and them. That, that, that kind of like mirrors my attitude towards a lot of music that I like. Is that yeah. It's not so much about a genre because I like you know multiple genres. It's yeah. more about like the, the singularness of the artists and how they do what they're doing. Yeah, you know, like. The Beastie Boys sound like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Whether they're no a band or a rap to band. To me, I'm gonna shit on Hair Rock just for a second. Okay. Here's the problem with Hair Rock. They will take out this hardcore fucking kick-ass song, and then they will take out the love battle. What the fuck was that about? Where the fuck were you playing this great fucking hardcore song? Yeah. And then you played something, oh my wife just it was like fucking terrible country music for hair band. I, and these idiot boys to today, they still fucking got the long hair, the leather you mean, jacket. You mean bands like you mean bands like Poison? Oh my like god, that, yes. that, every rose has its thorn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's horrible. Metal. I mean, that's horrible. A, that's, fucking yeah. um, that's a genre that uh, I'm Marty Crew. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't much good. Marty Crew did it too. Yeah, only the actual did it. Even Cinderella, Brad, Bartholomew. I think. I think. They you guys like, are a bunch of assholes. You, you know, you had, like, the record company would tell these bands, look, you got to do a ballad because you got to get the little girls, for the girls to listen to it, buy the records. Because girls don't want to hear you singing hard shit, getting drunk and all that shit. They want to hear you saying, oh, they love you and all that stuff. You know? <laughs> so I think, you know, like, I think we would still be kind of stuck in that, and we, we went through a different like growth as a... If it wasn't for the Beastie Boys? If it wasn't for the Beastie Boys. No, not the Beastie Boys, but like... You know, well, you're rapping, right in a way. It, it, it brought it back to be like, okay, you don't need to rely on, on the label to, to make yeah. a record. You just need a four track recording device and, right. and some, do your some lyrics. And, right, right, right. And, and it was all, you know, DIY. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was the punk attitude yeah. brought to a hip hop genre. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, in 1999, they would uh, win an MTV Music Award for Best Hip Hop Video for Intergalactic. Very cool video. That was a great it was at the MTV ceremony for that that Adam Yao and I remember watching this uh, he basically addressed the crowd and said something like you know we gotta stop treating Muslims badly and, and not all Muslims are terrorists oh yeah you know, and it was it was right after the African embassies were bombed in 99 uh, I remember going like alright you know, now, now, you, now you're like he got shit on that for yeah, that he got shit not, on not that, that I think Muslims are terrorists but I'm saying I just think like when when people get political at that when they're at that level, it always kind of like turns me off in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, uh, I guess they they want to do it because they they have the voice to, to say what they want. But usually to me, it's kind of like just make a fucking record. You know what I mean? You know what? I think my first Rossi Ranch show is going to be about. We all the world. No, it's about fucking idiot artists or musician or fucking yeah. rock star, fucking TV star. Talk about the political view. If you want me to like you, don't talk about it. Shut the fuck up. And not only did he bitch about the the way he felt Muslims were being treated, he bitched about people being like raped and 
fucking sexually harassed at Woodstock '99. Okay, and it, that was different. That, that was a little different. But but the thing is, now that was a shit show. But he blamed the bands. I don't know. Was it the band's fault that that happened? Like, no, more like it's not the band. He said they didn't. They didn't pay yeah. enough attention to. But it was the band's fault that security. Well, they hired the security. I, I mean, know. it should be the, the event promoter. It is. I would think. Well, but I'm, I mean, I don't know what the logistics were. Like. Yeah, I mean, but I remember. They burned think about what, riot, like crazy. Think about what's happening there. Everybody's using drugs. Everybody's fucked up. What do you think's going to happen? There's a few yeah. fucking bad apples in a fucking... They just a few bad apples and a bunch of assholes. You know, That's it. I mean, you go back. Watch the Gimme Shelter movie with the Stones. They use the fucking Hells Angels as security. Yeah, Duh. Right. That's fucking stupid. It's some people got killed. And then somebody... He got killed, but that guy, but that guy also had a gun. Yeah. Okay. You could see it in the when they do the stop action. You can see the gun. We should do a show about that movie. Yeah, he got lumped yeah, up. That, yeah, oh, boy, did he get lumped up. <laughs> they said that when 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 he got stabbed by the Hell's Angel, he made a hole like this big in his fucking back. Wow, gigantic. He died right right there. Um, in the early days of the internet, we were talking 98, 99, uh, Beastie Boys had a website, and they were one of the first people to actually have downloads of their songs. Now, nobody really, this was uncharted territory at the time, nobody knew where to go with this, but Capitol Records was like, fuck that, and they pulled them off their website, okay? So now you could only get Beastie Boys downloads on the Beastie Boys site. Not on the Capitol Records. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know what that meant, but they they had a problem with it. Think, think, think about think about it again. They're ahead of their time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what do, do we do now with Apple? Remember, remember who remember who also was doing that at the same time? Who? Bowie. Oh yeah, Bowie. Well, that's Bowie's right. website you can get like on on. Oh yeah, there's interviews about Bowie talking about the internet. Yeah, and, like the yeah. Yeah. like today she'll be like, I don't think you guys are going to understand what this is going to be for society. Yeah, they like, they yeah. saw the future, you know. Uh, 1999, there would be a two-CD anthology uh, that would come out on Billboard. Uh, there was a song on there called Alive, and that got to number 11 on the modern rock chunks. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. But they were getting lumped in again with the alternative music scene. In 2000, there would be a Rhyme and Reason tour scheduled. But unfortunately, uh, Mike D would get hurt in a uh, bicycle accident, and he needed surgery, and they couldn't do that tour. Oh, I kind of that, remember that. that yeah, yeah, yeah they, they have dates up, yeah. and stuff scheduled. I think like Buster Rhymes was on that tour, and Rage, Rage Against the Machine before they broke up, like that that first tour. Uh, it was at this point that um, they organized the uh, New Yorkers Against Violence concert. This was right after the September 11th attacks. Uh, there was a couple of shows related to that where they raised money. Um, in 2002, Adam Yount would open a studio in downtown Manhattan, all right? And it was called Oscilloscope Laboratories. And they were going to make movies there. They were going to make records there. It was everything. Everything, yeah. They, re they released a protest song called In a World Gone Mad. And it was basically protesting the war in Iraq in 2003. Uh, I was tuning out at that point. Yeah. Uh, they, were they were starting to associate with like MoveOn.org and other groups like that that were involved in that laboratory yeah. studio. Uh, also, the, the, the Save Tibet 
stuff was still going on. Horowitz was still very into that. Um, they would come out in 2000, they would come out with uh, the Five Burrows album. Okay, and that was released June 15th of that year. You had a single called Ch Ch Check It Out. Okay, but you know, I really didn't care for them. After I, didn't, that. I didn't like them that much. I really anymore. didn't that care for them after yeah, that. Were you, were you listening to yeah, that? Yeah, I was, but yeah. I, I think, actually, like... How did that album do that? I mean, I think it debuted at number one, so... It went to number one. one. That song, the single, went to number one on the U.S. modern yeah, rock I mean, like it, it, it was an alternative kind of right. thing, right? So it, it was big it, with it was that. kind of a like continuation of what you saw starting Hell and Nasty when it started to... Yeah. yeah. More like funk and what, jazz. What, and one thing I thought was interesting with that album is that they got in trouble because if you put the CD... In there, in, in your in your in your computer, and listen to it. There was spyware. <laughs> they got, yeah, there was an accusation that they put spyware on it. It went back and forth in the, in the courts. They said they didn't do it, so who knows? But apparently, there was some people that had problems with that. Uh, it'll be a few more years now. They, they kind of would go on a bit of a hiatus. But in 2007, they would come out with the Mix Up album, which is an, an instrumental yeah, that was album. A good album. Okay, yeah. they would win a Grammy for that. Yeah, that was great. Right? Yeah. That was best, I thought that was great. Best that was a good album. album. Yeah. Were they sampling a lot on that? No, no it was just beats, like, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. I don't remember hearing it. Right. I don't think it's, I ever heard that. I, mean, I don't think they released any singles off of it for real. Part or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think they tore it out that much. That was a hell of a book. You know, well, you know yeah. I didn't care for the other album that you talk about. I think I was tuning them out by then. That was a, to the Five Boroughs. Yeah, Five Boroughs. I didn't yeah. care, but they well, Isn't there a song really on that Five Boroughs where all they do is just like name check things? Like they just name yeah, check like locations? Open letter to NYC. Open letter, yeah. right. right. That, that was like kind of like their post 9 11, like. To New York oh, they were just name checking spots. Yeah. 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 So it kind of ran like a Zagat fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can tell it was a bag of shit. Bag of shit. <laughs> but hey, look, it did good for them. Uh, now, 2009, and I, I'm going to let you talk about this a little bit here. They would be the, the Hot Sauce Committee yeah. album. And there was, this was the time when Adam Yao would be diagnosed with cancer. He had cancer of the saliva gland yeah. in his throat. Uh, what's the story with this exactly? Because I, I, I was I tuned out at this point, and I know that they were coming with a, a part one and a part two, yeah, so but only part two got released. How'd that yes, go? Yes and no. So, yeah, it's extremely hard to follow exactly what the real process was because they kind of had, like, a disjointed type of recording session because of the diagnosis and everything else kind of like also had their own projects going on so they were I think in the habit of like recording parts of these songs separately and then sending each other the demo reels and then like recording over it and it ended up being the fact that they had a lot of pieces of songs but not a lot of complete songs so they wanted to release it almost like a, a, a box set you know yeah. we're going to put like a double album you know that we've stitched sell together sell them together in one package yeah. okay Long story short, I think what ended up happening is that they were advertising that they're going to release part one, and then part two would eventually be released shortly thereafter, so it's not going to be a package, it's going to be two separate albums. But then what ended up happening is that they, after they had already released uh, track listing and artwork for Hot Sauce Committee part one, they ended up pulling the release and then saying 
actually, we're going to release a video, Hot, Hot, Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, but it's going to have all of the songs that we're going to be on Hot Sauce Committee Part 1. All right. oh, so when you're listening to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, it's actually Hot, Hot Sauce Committee Part 1. And then... You know, all the rest of the songs are. But you know, but unfortunately, unfortunately, these things would never be released. Yeah. You know, eventually. Right. Nothing came out. Yeah. All right. Uh, in 2011, they were getting to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. And Mike D and uh, and Horowitz would be there. And uh, they've had a speech prepared by Adam Yao, who unfortunately was too sick to come. Uh, basically, had something prepared ahead of time. Now in May. May, of, May 4th of 2012, Adam Yalk would pass away from his cancer. I remember that. That was terrible, And, and yeah. I, I remember being like, oh, man. And he was only like 47 years old. Yeah. You know, just you didn't see that coming, you know. It was sad. There's, they had the painter MCA around the corner, which they just took off. Yeah, right. That was on the wall. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And they also had a they also had a pro boutique. Somebody do painted a yeah, pro boutique down on Rivington Street. Yeah, yeah. They also uh, they renamed the playground in Brooklyn Heights. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's where he was from. Yeah. yeah. Um, in June of that year, about a month after Adam passed away, um, Mike D would officially confirm that the Beastie Boys were disbanded. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Ross, take care. So, a lot of years, uh, you're talking uh, 30 years, basically, that they existed, uh, either as a punk hardcore and mostly as a, as a rap band. Um, definitely, I mean, they made their mark. Oh, there's, 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 there's no doubt, they made their mark. Um, I want to do a, a song of the week, okay, and I'm going to ask you. If you could pick a song by the Beastie Boys as your all-time favorite, what would it be? I would have to say the probably past the mic to be honest, or so much you want. What you want? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And if you could pick an album, to me it was Sabotage. No, 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 an album. An album. An album. I would have to say I I love. I love the one that had intergalactic planetary was great. You don't think you would say Paul's boutique? I love Paul, I think Paul's boutique is it's a I think is that it, is, is it, the it, best it, album. Is it your favorite? It's, no, I think you know what? Let me take that back. I love the intergalactic, but Paul boutique was a masterpiece. Yeah. Paul boutique was a uh, Paul boutique. I think was the album that made them rethink their career. But they thought they took out a shit album. It was a great album. So it still sold yeah. two million copies. Yeah, the but second they, album. Yeah. But they started rethinking, like, what the fuck are we doing? And then they did some other shit. But I think, I think that's what the Beastie Boys they took with. But Paul Boutique was good. They but took to, a lot of risks with to that. Me, album. Uh, and I want to go to me. My favorite song there is is Tigalati. I thought your favorite that, song. That is a okay. fucking favorite song. Yeah. And to me, if, uh, between that and sabotage, that's what I, I would. I would pick. I would pick sabotage. Uh, I would actually pick two songs because I would want to break it down between the later period yeah. and the early okay. period. I, I would say later period sabotage, and you're gonna laugh. Early period, Paul Revere. Okay. Uh, I, had, I, had <laughs> I mean, because it's so. Me and so, my in a cold <laughs> of beer. Yeah. What a beer, man. <laughs> you know me, people. <laughs> I'm doing like earlier versus later out of here. Oh my God. 
you know what? That song, that was a great song. You know, when you start talking, you're like, holy shit, but that was a fucking great song. Because I remember everybody singing that song where it would come on. Yeah. You know? Um, We're going to do a uh, a little shout-out right now to somebody, okay? Uh, There used to be a... The Violators, they are a old school punk band from New York City, used to play Max's Kansas City a lot and other places, and uh, they had a single called The New York Ripper. That single has now been re-released on Rave Up Records, I suggest you all look it up, and I want to give a shout out to Steve Nadon, he gave me the cool ass shirt. Nice shirt. Can you see the back? Can you see the back? Yeah. Violators. Violators. I had to move the dreads. Okay. In the way. And I want to give a shout out to him. He's been great. Uh, we've been talking online and stuff. And fantastic guy. Uh, I'm going to talk about some upcoming shows. All right. November 7th this week, the Carvels are playing pianos over on Ludlow Street. Ooh, that's actually... That's a good, that's a good little place. Uh, that's a nice place. Yeah. November 9th, we got Robert Gordon is playing my father's place out in Roslyn on Long Island. We just saw him a few months ago. He was great. Uh, December 15th, Agnostic Front is playing with Sick of It All at Kingslands in Brooklyn. Oh, I will go there, but that's my birthday day, so no. December 15th is your birthday? Yep. That's right, you're in December. We're having okay. a little party here, a little oh, yeah. toys, for, uh, toys for Todd's That's play. That we will be lumped up. Yeah, we'll we will be not make up. that show. Okay. <laughs> January 16th, oh, wait, before that, December 28th, check out Guar. Oh, at shit. Warsaw. We're Warsaw. Playing the Warsaw. Okay. That, that's Wear old clothes because you will be drenched in jello blood. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and other shit. Wet. It'll be very wet. Yeah. Let's hope uh, don't mess your clothes up. Hope this Je- or something. Yeah. <laughs> Guar is always entertaining. Uh, January 16th, now, two months away. Uh, the Addicts are playing the uh, Gramercy Theater on 23rd Street. They're, nice they're, a great, they're a great band, and it's a good good location. That's a great band. Definitely, definitely. You know who I saw there? They, um, they did a reunion show. Uh, like, like, this, is, this is weeks and weeks. They did like a reunion show. And um, Gramercy... Um, I think it was Stone Temple Pilot. They did like a little reunion show before Without, this guy died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did at Gravity, and that's like a great venue to see. I, I, I've seen the Super Suckers there. I've seen Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks there. Uh, Marky Ramon plays there a lot. I think he's actually playing in December as well. I'll get back to you about that. He usually does like a Christmas show type thing. That's all I got today, man. So, so hey, Derek, thank you. Yeah, how can people reach you? What email? You have an email? You can hit me up on Twitter at Live Like Memorex. What's that? What's Live Like Memorex. Live Like Memorex? Yeah. Okay. On Twitter, alright. Rob, how can we get you? You can get me any Twitter, Facebook, Chinese book. Uh, the man down the corner, the old Chinese restaurant in the corner. You can get me anywhere. Just follow me. Opium Dad. At Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> That's on my special trip to China. <laughs> <laughs> 
any opium den around. You'll find Rob. But you can find me anywhere, and just look up Getting Lumped Up, and you will get a ton of contact. Also, join us on YouTube. We need subscribers. Yes. Subscribe and subscribe. Getting oh, Lumped Up. Getting Lumped Up. Put that into the YouTube search engine. You'll see this guy's face. Yeah. And sign up, subscribe, hit like. If you want to find me, I'm all over the place. Rocker Mike 212 on Instagram, Rocker Mike 212. If you want to find me on Twitter, tweet me. I'm Rocker Mike 3. And if you want to find me on Facebook, as long as Zuckerberg isn't mad at me, I'm there. And it's under Michael Baker if he doesn't have me in jail. Okay? Love you all, people. And remember, don't get drunk, get, get locked up. Thank you, fuck you, have a nice day. All right, thank you and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Yo, you gotta write down that, that you know, so I can tag you. Yeah, man. You brought a lot to the show. Thank you.